Several times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts a teaching with the phrase, you have heard it said. He then goes on to state something that all good religious folk knew to be true. Or was it? Without hesitation, Jesus redirects the entire teaching with these words, but I say to you. He then goes on to teach them something different, which completely changes their understanding of what they previously thought to be true. Surprisingly, but unquestionably, we live in similar circumstances today. Much common knowledge we all take for granted begins with the phrase, everybody knows. Quite literally, we have heard it said for so long, we do not recognize thoughts or ideas that contradict the wisdom of God and lead us away from authentic life in Jesus Christ. Sadly, this same worldly wisdom has also infected a great deal of church teaching as well. In this podcast, the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau explores a different piece of conventional wisdom, examines what is true from a Christian point of view, and exposes how widely held common knowledge can lead us away from God. Welcome to the You Have Heard It Said podcast. Welcome. This is Elizabeth Moreau, and you are listening to the You Have Heard It Said podcast. I started this nearly seven weeks ago. This is so embarrassing, but it is true. Um, I started this nearly seven weeks ago, and, and then immediately we went into the holy days. Um, Christmas was blessed. I was I was fortunate, and I got to spend time with my family because uh, I know a lot of people were separated this year. New Year's, that went really well. As, uh, as Then I got all caught up in the politics. Now, I don't know about y'all, but um, the political environment in our nation was, if nothing, it was entertaining, but it was certainly, you know, consuming. So... Uh, as, as we're sitting here, as Christians, I have to say that while we should be aware of what's going on around us, that should not be our primary focus, which would be actually my sin. Uh, the whole point of this podcast, for example, is to learn to think about life and about living from God's point of view. And I can promise you that paying attention to national political machinations and uh, behavior is not conducive to thinking like Christ at all. That's certainly my experience. Anyway, You have heard it said, the goal is to learn to think with the mind of Christ or to see things more from God's point of view and God's perspective and uh, to understand life and living that way. Now then, to that end, I think it's very important that we open with prayer so that we might have some uh, wisdom from, from God above instead of depending on mine. Let us open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you and in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the topic for today is that all religions are the same. Right, that is a common opinion. It's bandied about. Um, I don't know how widely held it is, but it's just kind of assumed that all religions are the same, and this is a, a, a belief that is uh, that almost um, everybody holds in our in our culture. Even if we hold that religions aren't exactly the same, but we're all going to go the same place at the end. It's all they're all just different pathways to the same end. And broadly speaking, I would say there is a uh, common morality among religions. Not not too closely, but broadly speaking, there is. Some things are like inherently wrong, and, and most religions recognize that. Murder is wrong. There's not a religion that says, hey, go kill your neighbor. Now, there are, there are 
ways for war or human sacrifice or things like that. Some of that's built into religions, but not the um, but not the idea of murder. You can't just go willy nilly and, and murder your neighbor. That's a bad idea. And so, I mean, there's some commonality, broadly speaking, in morality. But even that, even at that, morality isn't always the same from religion to religion. Even today, in a quarter of the world, polygamy is legal and is practiced um, in the quarter of the nations of the world today and uh, in islam for example you can have more than one wife in christianity you may not have more than one wife uh, so morality is not entirely the same but the idea of marriage that's a good thing that's true and and however what a shape or form it takes in different cultures throughout history that um, there will be marriage as opposed to just um, indiscriminate copulation um I want us to use a definition for religion. The one that we use today is drawn from the Latin word, which means to bind. Widely speaking, that's how we understand religion today. Uh, it was used in, in early Christianity by St. Augustine to, um, to, to uh, he translated that as to choose again. He used the word to choose again, the word that became religion in English, right? Now, I want to go with the simplest definition for our purposes here. It, which it, it'll be... The, the easiest way to go is to think about this in terms of the need to connect or to reconnect to the divine. Okay? That's, what, that's what a religion does. It helps us connect or reconnect to the divine, and it helps us connect or reconnect to the spiritual realm, to that which is beyond us. Now then, there are several assumptions that go into that definition. They're just built into the definition by itself. The first assumption is that there is something that exists beyond us. Right? There's something beyond what we can see. There is some state beyond what we are living in. There's a divine dimension that exists and um, is desirable to attain. Right? Uh, human beings, here's the second point of my assumption built in there. Human beings are separated from that realm. Right? Uh, there's, there's some sense in which we are broken from it and we need to reconnect to it. Uh, and usually the break is perceived to be on our end. It's our fault. And we are seeking to reach uh, the, this realm or the divine being or whatever that is beyond us. It's an important point that I want to make right here is that in every known society, in history, and in writings, through archaeology, every known culture through all time believed in the existence of a divine that was beyond the self. And there's a divine being beyond what they could, call, could be seen or maybe multiple divine beings, but every culture has known that there is something beyond except our own. Okay, we are an enlightened culture in the uh, 21st century, and for at least 300 years or so, the general argument has been that there is no God and there's nothing beyond us. And that's a whole conversation for another podcast, and you can expect that to come sooner rather than later. But for right now, I just want to point out that all cultures, all time, even in the world today, other civilizations, all, all hold to the belief that there is um, a divine uh, being beyond. There is a divine state beyond where we are, a, a way of life, living or being or doing that is beyond this moment and this time and place, except for us in the West. All right. The third point I want to make about religions is really important. Religions shape our lives and shape our communities. Right? That's true in every form throughout all of history again. Uh, the understanding of God will then in turn define what is good. Right? What you, who you understand God to be will define what is good and how you ought to be in your life, what you ought to do, how to live. It'll set your priorities about what is valuable and what is important in your life. Religions, religions do all of that for, uh, for all cultures and in all civilizations. Religions also speak to our origins. Where do we come from? What's wrong with us? What is our destiny? Where are we going? What are we trying to achieve? Right? 
Now that last point, the ways in which religions shape societies, and what differentiates religions the most, is, is what is good, how we ought to live, what is valuable, what is desirable, what is important. See, this is the distinction between religions there. And it's a re- the, the origins and, the especially, and, and especially our destiny, okay, the origins and the destiny conveyed in the religion are especially important, all right, in, in, in perceiving the good and in the distinctions and differences between religions. For example, your destiny is very important because if you want to go to New York from Texas, you do not go west, you go east. And so where we're headed makes all the difference in how we live our lives today. Now I want to consider some of the examples about the differences um, in in religions, and these are just very simple. I don't even pretend this is a comparative religion or a comparative religion um, discussion. I just want to point out some obvious differences. For example, in Buddhism, the desired end is detachment from all things, especially from all physical things. But it's also an emptying of the self, an emptying of emotion and passions and stuff. And you want to still your mind and stop all the actions and detach from all desires, right? There's no God really in, in Buddhism. Essentially, it's atheistic. Now, the Buddha himself had reached this state of happiness. He attained it. He was fully awakened. And um, in Buddhism, they believe in reincarnation. You reincarnate until you're pure, until you're fully awakened to nirvana. And that's what, that's what the Buddha did. In Hinduism, in contrast, there are a plethora of gods. There are a lot of different gods. And there's a strong belief in karma, and it's similar to Buddhism in that. But the belief is what goes around comes around. That's where we get that statement. That's karma. If you put out bad, bad comes back to you. If you put out good, good comes back to you. And um, in Hinduism, you reincarnate to the next life, and you're taking your deeds with you, and those are good and those are bad, uh, whatever they are. In Islam, totally different yet again, uh, you're following the teachings of the Quran. Uh, In Islam, uh, accepts parts of the Old Testament, and they believe in Jesus, uh, but they do not believe in the cross. They do not believe that Jesus died on the cross. That would be an ignominious death for... Um, uh, a prophet, and they hold Jesus to be a prophet. Right? So I want to return to the earlier point that all religions have some sort of moral structure to correct our flaws. The end toward which we are aimed determines how we live today. That's what's important today. Archaeological evidence and some written histories record human sacrifice. Uh, many of you may not be aware of this, but Celtic religion practiced human sacrifice. Uh, also, ancient Mayan religions did that. Uh, Aztec religions participated in human sacrifice that involved a rite of human sacrifice. Uh, and obviously, Canaanite religions did the same. So it goes to the issue of pleasing the gods. In return, the gods are the gods will give blessing that they will offer uh, favor and um, that they will you know, uh, provide you with what you need, whether it's fertility or good crops or whatever it is you need, okay? Among all the religions, we see hints in Christianity. There are hints of each of these in Christianity, but Christianity um, reinterprets religions in a dramatically different way. Rather than human beings seeking God, God became human to seek us. That's huge, y'all. Also, only in Christianity do you find the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of God's Spirit at Pentecost. I mean, certainly the Holy Spirit moves across the face of the earth and um, uh, is seeking to reach and to save and to to find people. But the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is in Christianity alone. Uh, the primary actor in Christianity is 
um, God himself. It's not us. We're not the primary actor. God is the primary actor. And instead of us seeking God, God is seeking us. He comes to us to transform us. And he grants us his life to give us the strength to overcome our failings. Dramatically different. This sacrificing, what do I say? A sacrificial God, a God who offers offers himself up as a sacrifice for the salvation of the world. That is unique to Christianity by and large. All right. Now, then I could go on and on because there's so many distinctions and differences in the religion and stuff, but I want to stop for a moment and take a quick break real quick, if you don't mind, and um, and then we will return and pick back up with the question, why do, um, why do people believe all religions are the same? I don't know. Why do people believe that all religions are the same? Let's re- we'll return and answer that question in a moment. Elizabeth will be back in just a moment. If you have questions or comments about this or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now to You Have Heard It Said with the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All right. Welcome back. Let's pick up where we left off. Uh, Where do we get the idea that all religions are the same? Now, I want to I want to I want to show how I think that we, this became a logical conclusion that it was not an original idea. Let's all sit back and decide that all religions are the same, pondering, pontificating, or pondering on religions—they're all the same. Uh, but it, instead, I think it was an inevitable conclusion, and I could be wrong about that. That's just sort of how I perceive it. But I want us to take a look at an organization with which we are probably all familiar. Uh, the organization coexists. You've seen the bumper stickers, you know, and they've got the all the different religious symbols from each uh, from each religion, and it spells out the word coexist or something. Let's all just get along, and we'll all quit squabbling with one another, and we're going to live and let live, right? You know, that's a general idea of coexist. We're going to get along, and I'm for that. I think that's a good idea. Let's not fight with one another. Let's not argue and, and get into to uh, conflicts and wars and stuff like that. You know, uh, so, but, but this is an important concept. So to be certain that I got accurate information, I went to the website, and I want to read their statement and their vision statement. I'm going to read a little bit, um, quite a, a little bit about that. And I got it straight from their website so that I would know that I was getting it right. I think that this is a, everything on the organization indicates that they are trying to do a good do a good thing. That they um, have the best of intentions. They're sincerely trying to help other people. It is also true, and this is not on the website, that not every good idea in theory is a good idea in practice, all right? Um, But anyway, I definitely think that they are doing good things in Coexister, and they're trying their very best uh, for a good cause. I want you to listen to the purpose statement for their site. I want to to make sure that you understand that I'm not pointing at them as some evil organization, because I don't think they are. I think they are very well-intentioned, all right? Now then, here's from their website, their vision and their purpose statement. Coexist works in communities with a history of conflict to repair the divides created by prejudice, hate, and violence. By creating opportunities for people to work and learn together, we build relationships, knowledge, and common purpose to advance coexistence. That sounds good. I'm for that, right? That sounds like a good idea. Repairing relationships, uh, build, repairing divides, building relationships. What does it say? Uh, Advance coexistence. Let's all get, let's all live together. Okay. I want to pick up some more information from the side and read it to you. Um, Understanding changes everything. If we understand, then that will change everything. Coexist is on a mission to advance social cohesion through education and and innovation. Sounds good. goes on to say, 
Coexist works at the fault lines of conflicting cultural identities to strengthen the bond that holds a society together through a sustainable model of people working and learning together. This generates social cohesion that reduces prejudice, hate, and violence and prevents conflict from emerging again. Education. Here's their definition for education. In an increasingly globalized society, education plays a crucial role in both developing understanding of different cultures and preparing the next generation to tackle global challenges. Coexist is at the forefront of modern educational programming as it evolves beyond traditional curricula to foster greater understanding across divides. I think that sounds pretty good, pretty standard. Um, That's a a really solid sort of... um, uh, sentiment that we should um, all recognize. And it goes to innovation. It says, collaborative economic empowerment increases interdependence. Like a modern wedding among tribes, a business partnership binds together the fortunes and makes success dependent on the other. We believe economic incentives, we believe we leverage economic incentives to create opportunities for divided groups to work together toward a common goal, and in doing so, strengthen the bonds of their community. I think that sounds pretty good, don't you? Okay, so the question then is, what are the fault lines in cultural identities? What are those fault lines? Uh, think about it. Do you argue over uh, with people with whom you agree, for example? Um, if you have everything in common, you agree with them. Do you argue with them? Not especially. Do you argue over unimportant things? I say the sky is blue. You say, mm, it's blue with white clouds. You have to be cantankerous to argue over that, right? The fault lines in cultural identities are of a religious nature. It's important to understand they are of a religious nature. What you believe is important versus what I value and trust is important. Those are matters that are determined by the God that we worship, right? And the way in which um, Coexist plans to overcome this is through modern educational programming. And that means it's a, it's an, it evolves beyond traditional curricula. It evolves beyond traditional curricula to achieve understanding. Now, I think understanding is a good idea. I'm all for understanding if we understand one another. But understanding another person's ideas is not the same thing as agreeing with them. You can tell me something until you are blue in the face. And if I think your assumptions are wrong, you will never convince me you're right. If you're, if it's based on a falsehood to start with, you're not going to convince me you're right with your conclusions. No matter how clearly I understand what you're saying to me and I understand your argument, right? In fact, I think most often we are better understood, we are better served in a conflict if we do in fact understand what the other side is thinking and how they believe and what their, what their uh, uh, position is. Instead, coexist is going to uh, propose the evolution of education and we're going to, it's going to be evolved beyond traditional, traditional curricula or curriculum that it teaches what the culture believes, right? What it believes to be true. Well, what is valuable? What is good? What is, where, where is um, the meaning and the purpose? That, uh, that Those are the things that perpetuate a culture itself, right? And who teaches the next generation something false? Um, I believe this, and I think it's true, and this is going to save me, but you go ahead and believe that, right? And, and whatever you want to believe is fine with me. Now, that is common in, in American culture, but that's not common in the rest of the world, and it's not common in history. You know, everybody, everybody doesn't get to make up reality as they go along um, in, in any other culture than, than ours, Right? I mean, who, who teaches the next generation something false, right? And I want you to look at the next point they make. The next point is economic empowerment. 
we're going to bind partners. We're going to have partnerships between people who are hostile, right? And now that they're educated and they understand one another, they won't be hostile anymore. They're going to be in partnerships so they can have, um, so they can, you know, increase their fortune so they can have success. Um, economic incentives to create opportunities to work together. Going to strengthen the bonds of community. I'm rereading re- re- it, and that's not unlike a tribal wedding. We're going to liken a business agreement partnership to a tribal wedding. Right? Realize what's being implied here. We we're going to go there, and we're going to the 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 people are going to be educated out of the traditional curricula, right? Which would of necessity be religious in nature. When I was growing up. We were we were taught all about evolution and stuff like that, but um, you know it was widely believed and understood in in the world I grew up in in my in my little corner of the world that God created, right? God created. That's what I was told. That's what I believed. Um, I understood all the science, all that kind of stuff like that, to the extent that any third grader does when you look at you know the evolution of monkeys. But um, I was taught that God created. That is traditional Christian curriculum, right there. God created, right. Not now. There is no God in education. We learn to be reasonable. We learn to be rational. We're going to go off and follow the guides of science. And uh, we're going to learn about technology. And we're going to be advanced. And we're going to have all these benefits. Coexist is going into places that are divided over ultimate things. Things of a religious nature, right? And they are going to go in there. And they're going to educate people out of their belief in ultimate things. They believe in enlightenment ideas. Things that, like reason and science and medicine and technology. And what is the goal of all this education that we're going to give them, that we're going to go in there and give to these people? Economic empowerment. Where they're going to have more stuff. Now, i got to tell you, I think there's probably great appeal. If you are impoverished, right? Um, if you're watching your children starve, you want economic opportunity. I think there's probably great appeal to being educated and getting along with your, uh, your, your I don't know, the tribe, the tribe you hate or whatever for economic uh, growth, right? I can, I can understand that that would be desirable. But all you have to do to have more money in a stronger economy, right, is forfeit your religious beliefs. That's all you have to do. And that, then you can all get along. How is this not an alternative religion? I mean, is it just me? I mean, reason, science, technology, all of these order our lives, right? And, and they establish what? They establish that the, what the good is. Uh, and they establish what the good is not. They assign values. They assign priorities for the attainment of, are we ready for this? For the attainment of wealth, right? This is exactly what we see in Western culture. Uh, when, we, when, when, when somebody says that all religions are the same, uh, and, and that's a conclusion that they have reached, this, this is what I mean. All religions, short, uh, short, all religions are less than or short of uh, the enlightened secular thought of the brilliant geniuses in the 21st century United States. Education has evolved beyond what is traditional. Right? We're going to teach the next generation the importance of reason and science and medicine as defined in the Western world. And the Western world has eradicated the entire spiritual realm. There is nothing beyond this world. There is no higher order to which we can aspire. There is nothing in which is of interest, value to us, beyond what our wants are and attaining and getting more. Right? That's what, that's what we're marketing to these people. And if you just get rid of all the religion, then you can... Um, you can get along. Let's not worry. That's where the fault lines are, remember? And I'm sure that the, the, the people of Coexist would hate this, that the founders would absolutely hate this description, but it's a form of colonization all over again. 
We in the West know what's best for you, and it's not your gods, by the way. What's best for you is enlightenment, our enlightenment, so that you can have economic success. I can see the appeal, and yet uh, you couldn't, I'd, I would have a hard time being bought off from my Christian faith. I mean, I, I can't imagine what, what, would, what would create uh, an environment in which I wanted money badly enough to, to say, no, I don't want to be a Christian. I'm just going to abandon all that. And that's what we're asking them to do. Say, your God's not important. Because it's not important in our enlightened Western world right now, and therefore it's not important to them. Now, their intentions are great, right? I, um, uh, the intentions of the people that coexist, I'm not trying to, to, to denigrate them personally. They are very sincere, and as far as I can tell, they truly are, are seeking to do good. And they believe they have sought, and I believe they've sought. But that's the whole point. The good is determined by the God. In coexist, the good is education, which is necessary to reach the God, which is prosperity and peace. And how is that any different from, from, from what we believe in America today? And you're gutting whatever religion belongs to that culture as we've gutted religion in this culture. We've replaced it with a secular religion in which there is no God at all, and folks just need to understand that. Secularism is religious. It is a different religion. It's a religion of me, whatever I want, of myself. And then the most obvious question to ask at this point is how well is this working in the Western world? Is it working for us here in the United States? Um, everybody's pretty educated, right? And even the most impoverished people in the United States live better than they do in other parts of the world, right? We have wealth, so we have wealth, and we have health, and we have prosperity, and we have education, right? Do we get along here? No, we do not. Our nation's currently imploding. Clearly, there are different sets of beliefs going on here. All the education in the world is not making it okay. I mean, we're not all going to get along just because we're educated, and you can educate me into the enlightenment all you want to, but I'm not getting rid of Jesus, and there's a host of people who feel that way. I'm, nobody, I'm not prepared to give up the divine realm, I don't think there's, I think human beings have far more dignity or far more interesting than that. And it seems like we ought to be upfront uh, with people about the choice that we're asking them to make when we go in and say, we're going to help you um, get along with your neighbors that you've been at war with all this time. And we're going to overcome all this hatred and all this prejudice and all this other kind of stuff. I think we ought to be upfront. We're going we're gonna to take your traditional religion and we're going to replace it with our secular religion. Do you have a problem with that? Would that be okay with you? I have to tell you. Secularism does not have much to commend it. That is a topic, actually, for another day, and I will take it up then, right? Um, I'm sure it's coming sooner rather than later, but um, it comes, the idea is that religions are interchangeable comes from the assumed intellectual superiority that we have greater knowledge and that greater knowledge will eradicate all religious belief. That's not true. Okay. That it, we're encouraged to pursue the greatest good of comfortable living, and that's the maximum a human being, the maximum for which a human being can aspire, I guess, to be comfortable and content and to live as long as possible. We're going to supersede traditional religion with the secular religion of the Western world. Terrifying, really. For now, I want us to close with prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O oh God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, 
and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the next time, I'm going to talk about the claim that religion is the source of all wars, and it follows along the same kind of idea, uh, but we're going to talk about a little facts there. Um, religion, the all wars are fought over religion. Okay. Until then, you guys, y'all be blessed. You have just heard the latest You Have Heard It Said podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Fees Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as Elizabeth explores and exposes yet another piece of conventional wisdom with the truth of Christ.